Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Tops. Rediscover Tops with the Journey to the Last Jedi trading card set available now at retailers and card shops. And make sure you check out Tops.com for all the latest news, sets, and merchandise from the name in card collecting. Tops, proud sponsor of Geek Out Loud. It's a new month, which means it's time to pass the corn for October 2017. It's me. It's Arish. It's your safe place to geek out. This just happens to be the Geek Out Loud podcast. everyone and welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you on a special Pass the Corn episode. And of course, to help me out, that music can mean only one thing. If adventure has a name, it's Eris Chernevice, my brother from another mother. What's happening, man? Steve, I'm looking for somebody to explain my place in all of this. Well, um, I, as, as the fire falls, I extend my hand. <laughs> I love that you just said if adventure has a name, it must be Eric Sherman. That's right. <laughs> I can just die in peace now. <laughs> I, I wish I had a good movie announcer voice, you know, to do that in for you. If adventure has a name. If adventure has a name. There you go. That's yeah. not bad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel like my southern draw gets in the way sometimes. If adventure has a name. Must be that air shone of wise guy. <laughs> you can try doing it in a Decepticon voice. Oh, that sounds more like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Aren't they the same? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Did uh, did Frank Welker do Dr. Claw? I don't know. Well, we're, I'm about I to find out. I didn't watch a lot of Gadget. I'll get you, Gadget. Next time. Man, I love some Inspector Gadget. Go, go, Gadget Chopper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Inspector Gadget. Do 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 do. Inspector Gadget. Man, and I used to think that song actually rocked because when they break it down with a "Go Gadget, go," I was like, "Yes, go Gadget, go." Missed it by that much. Yeah, Frank Welker played. Uh, Apparently, the he... scary thing is, is that Inspector Gadget today would probably get arrested 
for hanging around a school wearing a trench coat like that with his hands in his pockets all the time. That's just not a good thing. But he didn't hang around a school. Wasn't like his assistant like a kid? It was his niece, Penny. Right. And she wasn't an assistant. Like, he always thought she was at school, but she was actually the one solving the crimes for him. Like I said, I never really watched the show. Her and Brain. She was the smart one. He was the doofus. Girl power, man. The the trench coat's just not a a, a look that's... I think that he'd get a lot of people calling in reports on him these days. Well, but within that trench coat, we're all never... You know what? I'm not even going to walk smack dab into that one. I was going to say we're all his gadgets. Hi, and welcome to Geek Out Loud. Yeah, welcome to Geek Out Loud, everybody. So glad to have you along with us. Um, This episode is uh, our featured supporter, by the way, for this episode, is Greg Sorber. Greg is like Swamp Thing without being a big pile of walking swamp. He can sense the ground and plants. He can sense through the ground and plants what is happening around him, and even miles away, he can control plant life and causes trees to spontaneously grow swiftly anywhere. He can cause vines to rise up and snare evildoers, and he can charm the ladies with his ability to instantly grow a beautiful bouquet of their favorite flower. That's Greg Sorber, our featured supporter, uh, this episode of Geek Out Loud. Um, and just a lot wonder, of jokes there that I'm laying off of. Well, please do. Please do. Um, listen, when you get up to enough supporters, it's hard to come up with superpowers for everybody. Do you come up with the superpowers, or do they write these superpowers themselves? I bestow them a superpower. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I also want to remind everyone that if you haven't got your tickets to The Last Jedi yet, you can... Get them from Fandango, and there's links at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. And if you go now, uh, between now and October 23rd, while supplies last, you can get a free Last Jedi poster uh, from Fandango if you order your tickets to those links. So uh, check it out. Do that if you had not got it. Or if you say, hey, I think I'm going to want to see this even days later, uh, go ahead and order your second and third sets of tickets through those links and help out the sites in doing so as well as using the Amazon links, the Entertainment Earth links, all those things that you find there at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. I think I have handled all the business, Erish. I'd just like to say that I miss the Fandango paper bag puppets. Right? I like them. Yeah? They yeah. need to bring them back. I think what Fandango should do is, since, since movie phone's not really a thing anymore, is get no. the movie phone guy... <laughs> To be welcome to Fandango, and just have that. Just bring the puppets back. They're fun. We'll have one of the puppets have his voice. Yeah. What if? Okay. Let's dream match here in a fight: the Fandango puppets versus the Quizno sub weird thing. It's Quizno sub. You remember that guy? Oh, the Fandango puppets. Yeah. You think so? I mean, they're made of paper. There was like, there's only, wasn't there? Only one Quiznos weird. Oh no, but they had. Wait, are you talking those weird, like little rat-looking things? I, I think there was just one, and I don't know what it was. You can never really make out what it was. But he's going. I, I just never understood. It's like, why would you want that near your sandwich? Exactly. What is this weird thing you've got? It looks like it's a mixture between a rat and some type of parasitic amoeba. Yeah. And it's singing very strangely to me. It's Quiznos yeah. subs. The at least the fun fandango. Fandango. They had, like, you know, some of them had class and sophistication mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, they, they kind of ran the gamut in characters. Yeah, that Quiznos thing, that was just weird. That's not how you sell sandwiches with something weird like that. Yes. But obviously it worked because years later, here we are 
talking about it. But aren't they out of business? Is Quiznos still a thing? Are they? I don't know. Maybe, maybe Chipotle put them out of business. Well, you know. Chip- that and the, the 25 billion subways. I mean, here in New York City, there's like a subway and a Starbucks on every block. Yeah, but don't you? But that's not a sandwich shop. All those subways aren't sandwich shops, are they? Some of them are actual subways. No, no, they're sandwich <laughs> shops. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> really, that surprises me that New Yorkers would put up with subways like that. It's fast and easy. Well, but you feel like that you know a deli type, you know, local mom and pop type sandwich shop would be the thing that would thrive. And there's not a lot of them. Hmm. Way to go, corporate America. Yeah. Way to go. God. I mean, if you go out into like the boroughs, into like Brooklyn and Queens and stuff, like there's like the neighborhood deli that you know makes the great sandwiches or whatever. There is um, it's actually a joint in Astoria that's called the Sandwich King of Astoria. That's uh just this little tiny place. You kind of have to know where to find it, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. Does he talk like this? I am the Sandwich King. <laughs> All sandwiches um, will bow before me. But especially here in the city, it's just subway, hmm. subway shops everywhere. That's disappointing. Yeah. And I got to tell you something. To me, I, I look at a subway sandwich, and, and no, even if it's a foot long, I'm like, it's just a snack. I don't, I don't really dig on subway sandwiches that much. I'm not a fan of them either. I, I'm just not a. I, yeah, I, I could do without them. But and so I do oftentimes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, by the way, it's not something I'm complaining. It's not like I'm force-fed Subway sandwiches all the time. It's just, uh, you know, it, it. it's just one of those things that I'm like, I could do without these. And so basically I do, I guess. I shouldn't say I could do without them. I should say I do do without them. But, you know, the two do's back-to-back never work. So anyhow, Eris, there's been a couple of trailers that have kind of come out, uh, you know. Um, yeah, oddly, like... You know, New York Comic Con actually broke some big things for a change. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, the biggest I think was the uh, the Justice League trailer that we got on Sunday. Yeah, I, uh, I, I this is a movie that you know, of course, you and I have both been. I don't want to say we've been critical. We've been critical. Okay, we've been critical a bit of. But the, I think rightly so. I, I I agree. I think we were very fair and very excited about Wonder Woman and how good that movie was. Um, and with Justice League, I've just been very cautiously approaching it, and it all turns. And I've liked everything that I've seen, but for some reason, this trailer just really got me fired up. Yeah, this was a good trailer. Um, it's got that Peter Gabriel version of Heroes. Actually, it's not Peter Gabriel. Is it not? No, it's not. It's an Australian band named Gangs of Youth. Wow. Uh, well, it's it's done. I mean, Peter Gabriel. It's almost it, like they're it's covering done in that Peter Gabriel style. Yeah, but it's not him. I, I I looked it up right before we went on. Oh wow, okay. Um, because I like the song. I mean, look, I'm getting a little played out on. We've got to use a popular song in our trailer yeah. now, especially if you're a superhero movie. This is all, you know. I think going back to the success of the soundtrack after the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, but in this case the song works really well with this trailer and they call this their heroes trailer yes so it just it paired really nicely with it 
Well, and uh, two, it's not it, though it is a it's a cover of a great song by David Bowie. It's not a popular version of the song by David. Even the Peter Gabriel cover is not as popular. You know, of course, is what. Um, yeah, it actually takes you like you know. It's like, well, wait a minute, where do I know the song? And then it's like, oh, this is the David Bowie song. Right. So it, they're not doing the same thing that they tried to do, like a cheap version of it. In the way and I say cheap, but you know, with the Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad, you know, yeah, it was very much of a. You could tell it was derivative. I should say is the word I should use. And it he, worked though. You know the yeah. the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer worked yeah. real well. But here, this just this really worked, and they came out of it, you know, uh, you know, with enough time to do some just big, you know, the the just the guitar hits and the big music and everything, yep. and um and it's really you know someone pointed out to me it's really nothing more than just some extended clips of stuff we've already seen in the trailers, yeah. And I'm like, but you know what? I'm okay with that because there was some dialogue in there that I really dig. Yeah, we got some nice little character moments with each of them. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I love the, uh, of course, you know me. I'm, the, you know, Superman fan. I love the fact that he says we need Superman. Yeah. You know that that's Batman who's saying that, and um, and I and and they're rewriting history a little bit, as far as DC Universe history goes. As far as the good things they're saying about um, Superman at the beginning of the trailer, but that's fine. That's fine. I'll take that type of revisionist history, I guess. If they're going. Uh, it's also clear that uh, Batman and Wonder Woman are the mom and dad of this group. Yes, yes. I mean, just the, the last shot with Flash pointing out the bat signal, just the way they look at each other. It's like, okay, you're mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of liked it. Yeah, I did no, too. I like it, them as mom and dad. Yeah, it, well, I mean, they're the ones that we're all kind of, I mean, they're the ones that have been doing it the longest. And and it just kind of works out. You know, it, it it's perfect for them. Um I, I'm really liking the fact that it's one of the it's one of those worst kept se- kept secrets in movies right now. Is we know that Superman's going to be in this thing, yeah. Um, but and we also know that Steppenwolf is the bad guy, and right. they still really haven't showed him yet, right? And but I like the fact that they're they're not showing those things, and they're not showing yeah. the big Superman reveal in any of these trailers. And I hope they don't do it in TV spots coming up. I really do hope they just kind of hold back and let that be a moment for the film. Itself. It's refreshing to get a trailer that doesn't tell you the whole freaking story. Right. Right. Which is something that, you know, in the past, really only Star Wars trailers have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I got to tell you something. When it comes to The Last Jedi, I don't have a clue what's going on. I, I really don't. I I am going in this movie probably more blind than I ever have with any other Star Wars movie uh, since I've had the ability to be online and follow spoilers and that sort of stuff. Well, what do you want to know? I'll tell you the whole thing. Oh, really? Um, okay, <laughs> let's. Should we go off air for this? Um, <laughs> no, no, I, no. But you know, I, I mean, I really am. I'm going in blind, and 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 you know, which is a testament to your ability to keep secrets, and um, a, a testament to just how how well the marketing is for this. That people are so excited about it, but still most of what is coming out of people's mouths is speculation based right. on, you know, the little bit that we've seen. And to be fair, we've had two trailers and a sizzle reel is all we've had for Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Yeah, well, I mean, a teaser trailer, a trailer, and that behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. thing, I guess that's what you're calling the sizzle reel. Well, that's what they always call it is a sizzle yeah. reel. Yeah. yeah. Our introduction um, to, the, to was, the Porgs. I was really impressed with The Last Jedi trailer. 
I loved it. I loved the way it built with, you know, was starting with uh, Snoke mm-hmm. talking to Kylo and then going into Luke talking to Rey and then just kind of everything blending together from there. Um, I could have done without the, the Porg. <laughs> uh, Are you going to be a Porg hater? I am a Porg hater. I'm just so tired of Porgs. Mm. I'm... I, in Anchorman, I'm Jack Black punting the dog off the bridge. Oh, oh. Except the dog is a pork. Oh, wow. Just line him up and let me punt him. Wow. If Han Solo were alive, there's no way that stupid thing is in the cockpit of the Millennium well, Falcon. You know, that's, I guess that's where I come out on this. And, and I, I don't think I have the animosity toward porgs that you're having right now. Um, I do have a little bit of pork fatigue. Um, it's You've seen... Two freaking seconds of them, and you know our our friend Teresa did her live reaction video mm-hmm. and sent it to us. Her biggest pop in the whole trailer was the freaking poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid on these things, and then that'll end my rant because, right? I mean, right now everybody's probably writing letters about how much I'm. They hate me for my anti-porg stance. Just e- just email geekoutonline at gmail.com, and I'll forward those to Erish. No problem. Um, no, you know, uh, the thing and is... Also, I just thought that... I thought that in the trailer, like, you had this great trailer, all this great tension building, and then mm-hmm. porg. Yeah. It yeah. just didn't fit with everything. You didn't need the porg in this. Do you not think Chewie looks a little weird in this trailer? He did look a little weird. The uh, eyes. Yeah, the eyes are so, he's so big and bright. And I'm like, you got you to gotta do it's, something about you that. You got to remember, it's a different person playing him now, though. I understand that, and you know, I get it's that. It's not Peter Mayhew. It's not Peter Mayhew's eyes that we're seeing. But you can still do something about it. I mean, we live in a world where, you know. I know. Well, and maybe that's them trying to do something about it, and that's the result. Mm, well, then they need but to get it. They look, need in to... fairness, too, we saw his eyes for, like, I think we saw the porg more than we saw. I think Chief. so, too. In the words of Road Dog Jesse James, they better call somebody then. <laughs> um, but, but I dug it, and uh, I loved the last, the last shot with Kylo reaching his hand out to her. You know, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, fandom is going to lose their minds now. Well, there were there are a few shots in this thing that I really, really do like. And I like seeing Kylo's TIE Fighter. I know it's not called a TIE Fighter. It's called a TIE Silencer. TIE Silencer, okay. Right, uh, that's what it's called? I'm not sure. Is it TIE Silencer, TIE Raider, something like that? I think it's the TIE Silencer. Okay, well, no, someone, in the chat, someone in the chat let us know. Um, but that shot where he's coming in behind those ships looks like something straight out of Jedi. Return, yeah. Return of the Jedi, I should say. And um, and the shot where Kylo is leading the stormtroopers into what I'm assuming is a cave on crate where they looks like they've blown out a section of a wall or something. Yeah, it kind of looks like an old lava field. Yes, sort of thing. yeah. It looks like an overhead. It looks like that same overhead shot of Anakin leading the clone troopers into the jedi temple yes it does and so um there there's some things that resonate you know in this in this movie with some other shots from older movies and everything but um it yeah it definitely does it did what star wars does well i think in that it raised more questions than gave answers you know as a trailer and and it's got people talking which is always good 
So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Are you excited after seeing this trailer? I'm as excited as I was before seeing the trailer. Well, you weren't excited before I, I, seeing now, the see, trailer. Now, see, that's... that. I mean, I am... Look, here's what happened. The I did not really rush to the computer to watch the trailer the other night, as you know, because you and Teresa were, you know, suddenly group texting about the whole thing. And... um. And I and I wasn't uh, you know and I didn't I didn't do a live reaction show and everything and um, I figured I'd let RFR handle that and um, the uh, and I watched it a couple of times I'm like okay you know that's fine that's fine um, and and there, like I say there's some a lot of shots in I like and I wasn't even going to bother buying tickets you know I was just like I'll get some tickets I'll you get- got tickets didn't you I did yeah yes yeah. Yes, he's back. He's back. I went on Fandango I, and yes. uh, and got you some like, tickets. Oh, I'll just I'll go see it like a couple weeks. Well, no, week. no, no. My plan was to just go here locally, you know, in this little in the town in which I live, to one of these theaters here, um, which aren't they're nothing special about these theaters, you know. They're they're good. They I get you know they're decent enough for what they are, but uh, but you kind of got to go out of town to get a really good screening, and so. Um, I said, you know what? I'll go Friday afternoon. I won't bother with trying to go Thursday night and all that stuff. I'll just go Friday afternoon. So I locked in my tickets for Friday afternoon and IMAX screening in Kennesaw, Georgia. And then, um, I was like, well, why not go Thursday night? It'll be fun. I'll go Thursday night. And I was able to lock in tickets for screening Thursday night at the same theater. So, um, I'll be seeing it in IMAX both times. Nice. And, And that's where that's. And so, yeah, so I, but it's weird, Erish, because the the one thing that has happened, and, and, and it's not that I'm anti-Star Wars at all, but I think the one thing that has happened is there's just so much that's coming out these days that it, you just can't really keep up. And, and you remember, you know, back, especially during the prequel era, when we all started to connect with one another, Right. it was three years between films. And so when that first teaser did hit, it was actually a huge event that just rocked fandom. Yeah. And of, of all three of those prequel movies, regardless of what you thought of them, you know, and um, and and then you just kind of waited, you, you broke that apart, you know, you had a few months and you just picked every little scene apart. And then, you know, here comes the first trailer and you were like, oh, here's more. And it's, I can't believe it. I cannot wait. And, and, and the, and now, you know, we got that with the Force Awakens, uh, because it had been so many years since a new Star Wars movie. And now, though, with one each year, it's just kind of hard for me. We're getting two in six months, right? And it's just hard for me to maintain that level of excitement. I'm glad there are people that can maintain that level of excitement, but I just I I don't have that ability. The geektopia that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. in a course of six weeks coming up, we are getting Thor, mm-hmm. and not just Thor, but Thor and the Incredible Hulk teaming up. That's right. Like, on another planet, like, crazy stuff. We're getting Thor, then we're getting Justice League, freaking Justice League. Yeah. You know, not like some cartoon or whatever, We're live-action Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Cyborg, Flash, Superman, probably. Like, that's insane. We've been waiting forever to see that. Right. And then a couple weeks after that, we're getting Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like, I remember in 2008 when Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk came out in The Dark Knight, and I was just like, 
there'll never be another time like this. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is it for geeks everywhere. This is, this is, we're living the dream. It'll never get better than this. Well, and on top of that, like out on Blu-ray, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yep. Um, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's plenty more coming. Sure. Um, it's just, it, it, it's insane. Like when I was, you know, when I was a teenager and like, you know, hanging out in the library at lunch with my couple buddies because it was our safe place to geek out. Mm-hmm. Like these are the kinds of things that we would be like, you imagine if we ever got a, a, a justice league movie or there, there's never going to be another star Wars. George isn't going to make another one after return of the Jedi. Right. Like we would be killing ourselves now knowing that this, and there's so much of it. There's so much of it out there that it's almost overload. Right. You know, on TV this week, all the CW shows fired up again. Yep. Yep. I, I'm like, do I really want to go back and watch these or am I done with these? I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, because you know, it's just it, it's an embarrassment it's of riches so as far as Geekdom goes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I'm at this point where I can now pick and choose the level of Geekdom that I want to have. I, I will say this. I've watched Flash and Supergirl, um, and Flash is worth your time. If you're caught up on Flash, Flash is worth continuing on. I was just so disappointed with Flash last year. Really? I just, uh, yeah, I'm tired of the whole Wally and Iris thing, and I just, I just thought last year's season was a completely lost season. I think that I think it got too convoluted. I think I think last last season got way too convoluted. Yeah, and that Transformers. Mm-hmm. Flash villain, what was he called? I don't Sav- know. Savitar? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Rem- uh, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> and then it wound up being Wally from Re- No, Lash. Barry. It ended up being Remnant Barry. Barry. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I just whatever. was like, really? <laughs> Well, but um, here's the thing. What happened is um, I, I, they had a really good season premiere. Okay. Well, and, I've got it on the DVR, so. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a taste. And for the first season ever in the show, the the bad guy is not going to be another speedster, which is going to be interesting. Oh, what are they going to do? I, they revealed the bad guy, and I don't know who he is. Hmm. So maybe someone in the chat can help out with that. I don't know. Um, the Thinker, uh, played by Clifford DeVoe. Or is that okay. his name is Clifford DeVoe, The Thinker. Um and he's like a super intelligent dude, and he's all hooked up. He looks really monked up. He's hooked up to all these wires and in this chair. And um, yeah. It's... So all all the Flash has to do is run around him and pull all the wires out. Well, it, it's like I, you don't know where he's at. It, he seems to be in the future. Oh, uh, okay. With some all of the right, technology. Well, like I said, used. it's on DVR. I'll give yeah. it a taste. All right. Well, check it out. Give it a taste. But like, you know, to the point I was making was, and this, there's just so much now. Right. So, right. so much. Um, I got to hear a little bit of this Gangs of Youth cover. Oh, you dug it up. Nice. I, I wish I could swim Just like a dolphin Like dolphins can swim Nothing, 
doesn't sound like anything that was in the trailer. Well, so, I don't know. They got a build to it. Yeah. Okay. So that I wanna, sounds good, though. Yeah, I like, I, I like it. it. I think this is where this is where they start to use it in the trailer. Yeah. They obviously had some stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick forward and see if it builds a little bit more. That's a good cover. It's not a bad cover at all. Yeah. It like, worked great in the trailer. Yeah, it sure did. The music in the Last Jedi trailer was great, too. Yes, yes. I really dug it. The, the arrangement of that music was fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I, I think there it was a real effective use of Ray's theme leading into Kylo Ren's theme. And um, there were just a lot of, and gosh, there were just a lot of intense visuals, too. I will say this. I said this on a previous show that um that one of the things that disappointed me at way after the fact and you know as you continue to watch and and break these movies down there wasn't a pork theme no with the force awakens um one of the things that disappointed me with the force awakens is that the environments though from the outside as you're approaching them they all seemed very alien of course because you're going to a whole different planet but once you get on planet there wasn't enough done to the environment, with the exception of maybe Jakku, to really make it feel alien. Lucas was always very careful to make sure that there was some type of weird wildlife. Now, granted, Jakku, we had that stupid bird, um, but Lucas and the the red eyed oh yeah the red eyed worm big, thing. that ends up being a gigantic worm apparently yeah. underneath the sand. But um, but so but on the other planets, Takadana and the planet whatever planet the rebels were on or the resistance was on. And and even to an extent, Starkiller Base didn't really feel very exotic and Star Warsy, you know. Outside of oh, we've seen environments similar to this, um, but right out of the gate, you know, the the one planet they're showing us outside of Oct Two in these trailers is Crate, you know, the Red Velvet planet, right? And and just the very makeup of the land, you know, with that salt covering over that red mineral, um, immediately gives it that a feel of man we've never been anywhere like this before yeah and i think that's really cool i think that's i think that is a a great step in a great direction for um for for this movie and i'm really looking forward to uh canto bite is that the name of the uh mm-hmm. the the gambling place yeah so, there's definitely gonna be some fun stuff there yeah so i you know i if nothing else i think that some of the visuals that i had issues with in the in the force awakens you know those those steps may there it seems there may be steps being taken to correct some of the things from that and um i've heard too that they're going to go back through the other eight movies and they're going to digitally insert porgs into all of them well they should obviously so that everywhere you go there's going to be porgs porgs and loth cats should be everywhere in the star wars because everybody's crazy for porgs yeah well so you know what? Don't say that because someone might get the get a, get the wrong idea. Um, <laughs> I want to so, I want to I want to clear something up really quickly before we get into actually passing uh-oh. the corn. Um, you say Inhumans no good. It's it's utter garbage. Mm-hmm. It is absolute garbage. Wow, I've not watched it yet. Uh, and it's the kind of like just utter train wreck that I'm going to keep watching it because it's so bad. I just have to see how much worse it gets. 
really? That you, so that's the, that's the that's where you're at on that. Yeah, I am. And look, I was all excited when they cast Anson Mount as Black Bolt because mm-hmm. I really dug him in uh, Hell on Wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he plays the silent brooding guy kind of really well. But oh my gosh, they've turned Black Bolt into like it's he's kind of ridiculous. Mm. Like you know, he uses sign language and stuff, but it's like it's not. I don't know. It just it's not working for me. Okay. He looks confused half the time. <laughs> um Sarinda Swan who plays Medusa is just not good in wow. this. Wow. Um the guy who plays Maximilian, that's his brother's name, right? Right. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. He's just playing the same character they played on Game of Thrones but at like 50% power. Okay. Um, so and you say you got to keep watching it to see how bad it can be. Well, it's only what six episodes, so is, is I'm like, I think there's only three left. Okay, because the first week was wow. two hours. I didn't realize I was behind by three episodes. Well, first week was two hours. Okay, and then I mean it's been on two weeks, so they've done like three hours. Yeah, but they got Lockjaw. Yeah, but Lockjaw, like, yeah, no. Okay. So you're doing this the same way I'm doing Gotham. <laughs> yeah, probably. So I mean, Gotham, you've committed to a, Yeah. You've committed to like a lot more yes, hours. Yes, I have. And trust and, me, if this was going to be Gotham, I would have quit already. I got news for you. I can't it, it's this weird thing is I can't look away with Gotham for some reason I can't That's look away. That's how I feel with the humans. It's so bad I can't look away. Um they they you know, they've put Bruce in a helmet now. And he's and he's doing Wait, the thing Bruce where who? Bruce Wayne. But isn't he like ten? Uh, he's he seems to be fourteen, fifteen ish. No, I'm just not interested. Right, right. I know. I'm like too soon, too soon. And he even did the thing. He showed up at GCPD as Bruce Wayne, and and Gordon had his back turned, and he's Detective Gordon, and Gordon turned around, kind of startled. He's like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were here." And he had a little conversation with him. He's like, "You should come by and visit us for dinner. We 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 miss seeing you around." And Gordon turns back around and says, yeah, I'll do that. And he turns to ask Bruce a question, and Bruce is gone. I'm like, really? You're telling me the 14-year-old kid stealthed on out of there? But I can't stop watching. It's this weird thing of, like, what are they trying to be? It's like they're trying to be Tim Burton mingled with Christopher Nolan in all that they're doing. It's it's really strange. And and I know there are people who absolutely love it. Uh, This... We're going off on a completely different tangent here, but the the one new show this year that I'm really digging so far, mm-hmm. and it's only been a couple episodes, is on uh, it's on CBS on Monday nights. It's called Me Myself and I. Mm-hmm. It's the show with uh, Bobby Moynihan from mm-hmm. um, Saturday Night Live. Right. Um, and it's actually, I mean, it it doesn't. It's not the kind of comedy that makes me laugh out loud. But it just makes me feel really good. Yeah. Um, and it's me, myself, and I refers to it's him in high school and then him as, you know, like a 30-ish year old guy and then him basically retired. And the retired version of him is played by John Larroquette. And so the show 
bounces back and forth between him at the three different oh, ages. Well, that's a neat concept. Every episode. And the theme kind of runs between them. And there's characters that you see, you know, like his brother, his stepbrother that you see is like a teenager it is played by um, Ed Begley Jr., Nice. Like in his retired years, and he's the governor of California. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's really well done. And like I said, it just makes me feel really good. Hmm. Um, and Monday night's episode coming up, it's a Star Wars themed episode. Oh, it cool. It deals with him, like the first time he saw Star Wars as a kid. Then he's going to show Star Wars to his daughter for the first time. Then I think. He's an inventor, so as as the John Larroquette version of him is like a multi gazillionaire. Oh, okay. You know, and owns like you know owned like a big kind of Google kind of company, and has retired from that. So, you know, I think he's actually inventing like a real lightsaber or something like that. But Star Wars is definitely the running theme to the whole thing. So, if you want to check it out, that's a good episode to jump. And in what? And, and it airs on CBS. Monday nights on CBS. Okay. So me, myself, and I. I like Bobby Moynihan. It's a great show to watch with the family too. There's mm -hmm. no risque humor oh, in it. Oh, cool, good. You know, there's the, they're not trying to push the the envelope and stuff. It's just a really nice, wholesome. It makes you feel good. Well, good. It's good to hear that. And Urkel plays his best friend. Nice, nice. Well, Erish, let's uh, let's pass the corn, man. Wait, we got one more thing to talk about. Oh, do one we? Little thing that. Uh, you know, was announced this week. Uh, Sly Stallone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, uh, I don't have anything on my notes. He's writing and directing Creed too. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess coogler uh, has been busy with his Black Panther duties over Coogler's there at Marvel. Still going to be involved producing it. Yeah, we'll still have a voice in, mm -hmm. in it, but and he should. His schedule, his schedule wouldn't allow him to to write or direct this right. one. So Sly is going to do it. Well, didn't didn't he have a hand in writing the last one, Sylvester he Stallone? He may have. He may I, have. I thought I remember seeing him tweet some stuff out. Or maybe he was just tweeted like a page of the script he was reading or something. Um, but I know this. I know that I'm on board with whatever it is. We've already heard that Dolph Lundgren is going to be reprising his role as uh Is that Drago. official or is that just a rumor? I think it was made official. I think it was. there's a rumor that... that uh, Excuse me, that, that uh, Creed. I'm sorry. What what was his first name? Apollo. Adonis. Yeah, Donnie. Um, that he's gonna fight uh, Dolph Lundgren's kid. Yeah, I this. think that's the rumor. I think, but I think that Dolph Lundgren that, is. You know, there's the vengeance factor because you know, uh, you killed my father, mm -hmm. sort of thing, and so I'm gonna take out your kid or whatever. Um, on on June. Uh, 25th he tweeted out some stuff uh did sylvester stallone and let's see um yeah he's been dropping hints that that's the case so i don't know that it's been made absolutely official but i don't think that what you're going to have is donnie versus drago or even donnie versus drago's son i i think you're going to have drago be pulled in as someone to get in donnie's head Maybe, yeah. And and I think it'd be great to have Drago actually come in and turn around and be be a good guy. 
you know, based on after he lost, he was rejected by the Soviet Union. He had to get out of there, and he's just kind of been, you know, living under the radar ever since. And, um, and I think I think Drago and his son are going to try and rig the election, and Creed and Rocky have to stop them. That could that could be it. Uh, let's see here. This says Creed Two confirms Ivan Drago, aka Dolph Lundgren, is making a comeback. Um. Well, that doesn't really confirm everything they're showing this. Yeah, I think right now it's just it, it's rumor and stuff. We'll see. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm excited for it. Bring it on. So yeah, and and but I just think it you know it plays it takes Rocky Four, which is definitely not the worst of the Rocky movies, but I, but a lot of people you know say that it's the Rocky movie that lacks the most substance, I guess. Uh, it's definitely the '80s, the most '80s that movie, movie. Ended the Cold War, right? Right. <laughs> but it does take that and make it something huge. Should Ivan Drago show up and Donnie, knowing that this is the man who killed his father, I just want them to bring Clever Lang back. He was supposed to be back in the first one. There was bring him back. He could be like, you know, put him in the corner. He could be the cut man. Pain predictions. Pain. I don't. You got to be careful and see. That's the thing is, I don't want them to go too far back in the well with all. You know, it, oh, it can't do. be a Bring constant back the, return. The robot butler. No, no. <laughs> Bring back. Bring back Thunderlips, the ultimate male. Well, he could probably use some work nowadays. The ultimate male versus Bring ball back. The ultimate meatball. Yeah, I, look, I'm there though. Regardless, I love. I loved Creed. And you know I love all things Rocky. So, in fact, it's getting time. We're getting close to November, which is that Rocky. Uh, I know last year was a, the 40th anniversary, 40th, but yeah. but we're, you know. Look, I, I, I feel like I should, should celebrate. Bring back, bring back Kevin Connolly and have him <laughs> harass Rocky's son and take his coat. Oh, my gosh. What I was going to say was, I feel like every November at some point I should celebrate Rocky. Um, all right, let's pass the corn here. Let's do it. Pass the corn. Well, it's October, and uh, we're into the month already, and already released, and people talking about it, and not doing so hot at the box office. Old Blade Runner 2049, Irish. Yeah. Yeah, didn't, uh, didn't deliver on box office expectations. I mean, the, the critics' reviews for it were fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be, and look, I, I intend to see this movie. I, I may very well see it this weekend. Um, and so I've really been trying to stay away from as much of it as I can. Um, so I haven't been reading much on it. I haven't been watching anything on it. Um, I really want to go into it knowing as little as possible, mm -hmm. but the, the couple little things that I saw, basically the, the audience reaction to it seems to be you either love it or you loathe it. Right. Um, so it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it does this weekend. And then, uh, 
you know, if, 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 if how big a percentage it drops. Um, it's also long from mm. what I understand. I mean, I think it's like two hours, 45 minutes. Um, so we'll see. Well, let me, let me throw this out there at you. And I, and I don't want to yep. get in too deep a discussion because the truth of the matter is, is I have seen Blade Runner once and it was years ago on VHS and I don't really remember it all that well. Um, and, and I feel like we may have a Tron situation on our hands where Blade Runner is this cult classic of a movie. Um, you know, and it's had like 50 different versions released and, you know, which is the definitive, which is not all this stuff. Um, but in the same way that people were all jonesing for Tron Legacy and when Tron Legacy was announced and so many people were like, oh, this is great. I'm so glad. I love Tron. I love Tron. And then people went, it didn't do great, and, and, I, and it didn't get to the greatest. Granted, the reviews for this have been better, apparently, but it didn't get the greatest fan reaction because I think people remembered liking Tron, and they really just liked the look of Tron. Right. And, um, and I think that a lot of people remember or, or think they like Blade Runner and know they like Harrison Ford and... And then they kind of realize, you know, I know I don't think I've ever seen the first one to be able to go see this. I don't know that it has the cult enough of a cult following to have grabbed the box office dollars the way that they. You know, hope. the other thing too, and I think actually Tron is a good is a good uh, comparison here. I think the other thing too that may be that may have hurt both of them is just the amount of time between them. Sure. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, and look, I. I I happened to just watch Blade Runner again on Saturday because it was on Sci-Fi Channel. So, you know, they, they were smart and, you know, put it out there for people to see again. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing happened, I think, with Tron when, when Tron 2 came out. The first one, you know, was kind of available again. Um, but it's kind of doing homework. Right, right. You know, uh, and... and Blade Runner is not, you know, it's not like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie or something where it's lighthearted and like action packed and you can sit and watch it over and over and over again. You know, it's, there's some exciting scenes in it and there's some cool things to look at, but you know, there's, there's some heavy stuff going on too. And, you know, some heavy themes and, life and death and like you know what is the meaning of life and who decides what life means and things like that that you know it's not something that you know I, I, that i think you can watch over and over and over and over again um so it's just it, it's a little bit like uh you know doing homework sort of to go see a movie mm -hmm. if you're going to go back and watch the original one again. Well, which version is this movie a sequel of? It, it well that's that's not fair because they're both the same the director's cut was different because they added the voiceover. Okay. I thought there was an ending that was different. Uh the ending might be slightly different. I think that I think the voiceover, because it's it's Harrison Ford's character, uh, Deckard, mm -hmm. who's narrate, who narrates it in the director's <clears> cut. <throat> and I think that it's been a while since I've dove into this, so I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. And if somebody in the chat definitively knows this, 
please correct us. But I think that the director's cut with the narration, Mm -hmm. I think at the end it implied that Harrison Ford's character might be a replicant as well. Right. Okay. M. Dunn in the chat says, director's cut, drop the voiceover and the happy ending from the original. I thought the director's cut had the voiceover. I'm just telling you what M. Dunn in the chat says. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to believe him. So Mm -hmm. that in either case from the theatrical or the director's cut, whichever one it was, that was the difference between the one had the voiceover and the happy ending and the other one didn't. But in, but in one, he's definitely at least insinuated to be a replicant and the other, he's not. No, not definitely insinuated. It's slightly hinted at that he might be. Okay. Cause the way I've always understood it is it's told he's basically a replicant in one of those endings. Okay. No, because one of the things that I understand about this movie is that that was one of the threads that was still around. Like, do we find out if, okay, Deckard, still, if Deckard is a replicant or not? Still dangling. Still dangling yeah. out there. Okay. All right. And I don't know that they even answer that in this movie. Okay. There's multiple director's cuts, says Arius the Priest in the chat. And that's what I'm saying is there literally is like three or four different versions okay. of that movie out there, as I recall. Well, it's possible because, you know... We had Laserdisc and mm-hmm. Criterion Edition of Laserdisc and all those things that were coming out, and yeah. they would, you know, do different versions to sell you another round of Laserdiscs right. or whatever. Right. Okay. Well, so are you you plan on going to see this? Look, I'm going to see it whether I see it in the theater or I wait a couple months and watch it at home. Mm-hmm. I got to see how it plays out. But before we went online, I was looking at showtimes for Sunday. Okay, cool go see it so i may do that yeah well let me know let me know what you think yep. uh, also already out this month the mountain between us starring idris elba and kate winslet stranded in the mountains after a plane crash do they have to eat each other <laughs> I, I don't think that that's actually what it's about oh okay uh, well uh, they are stranded in the mountain after a small plane crash but i don't think it's about whether they need to eat each other i think it's about the two of them working together to save themselves all right okay do they fight a bear that i don't know or just well actually i'm guessing that they don't Mm -hmm. because just a rabid bunny it looks like that you know it's uh it looks like it's during the winter so Mm -hmm. Bears would most likely be That's hibernating. True. That's true. So just a but again, just a it's snow a movie, leopard. and anything can happen in a movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you step on that den, Mama will wake up quick. <laughs> she ain't happy at all. Um, so uh, so you, one what, of the things that we're getting into in the October movies here is, you know, we're starting to get the dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're starting to get some movies that might have some aspirations for award season. But uh, certainly more of the kind of adult fare and less of the let's bring the teenagers into the theater. Right. Is this one uh, of those? Uh, the Mountain Between Us? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Hmm. I mean, just with Idris Elba and um, and I'm sorry. And, and, uh, Kate, w- Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um. You know, I think it's it's a little bit like a drum venture, okay, sort of thing. A suspense movie. Yeah, but if 
for Geek Out Loud listeners, the one kind of overall theme that I think we're going to see through a lot of these movies is actors or directors that have had a big part in the geek culture movies that we're really into. Sure. You know, so Idris Elba, perfect example, all three Thor movies. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, a bunch of these other ones coming up, we're going to see that in this. And some of them are subject matters that uh, will appeal to to the Geek Out Loud listeners. Mm-hmm. So, Kate Winslet, Titanic. Um, I know that's a big favorite amongst the Goldiverse. Is it? No. Um, all right. <laughs> this weekend, coming up this weekend at the time of recording, Friday, October 13th, Jackie Chan steps into, as you've said before, the Liam Neeson uh, mature man uh, action hero role in The Foreigner. But, I love that Jackie Chan is now doing these. But you know what? He seems like the only one that should. Not not that Liam Neeson... I'll tell you this. Liam Neeson was amazing in the first Taken. I didn't see the following two Takens because I feel like if you saw one, you saw them all. I think Liam Neeson is an amazing actor. But Jackie Chan, with his history of stunt work and the work that he's always done in the past, this to me feels like you know a natural direction for him to to end up stepping into. All right. Well, and here's something about this movie that will appeal to you, Steve. Great. I mean, one, it's got Pierce Brosnan in it. Oh, oh, Remington still himself. Well, and James Bond. Well, that too. But I you know, know, you like your Bond movies. <laughs> That's right. I sure do. And uh, and two, it is directed by Martin Campbell, who directed Goldeneye and oh. Casino Royale. You're talking about the best of the Pierce Brosnan Bond films and Casino Royale. Yep. Nice. Um, he also directed the Green Lantern movie and the Mask of Zorro. Now, I tell you what, let me tell you what happened recently with the old Mask of Zorro. Just that you'll appreciate this. Um, the other night, I did. I have done a goal already this week, and I did touch on the Last Jedi trailer. I was more talking about the Mark Ruffalo Hulk news that came out, where they're doing a Hulk oh, story him, uh, arc. Live streaming the, the movie. No, no, I didn't know about that. I was talking more about, he said there's going to be a three-part, they're, they're doing a Hulk story arc through the next three movies. The oh, next three really? Avengers movies, yeah. I, I didn't see that. Starting I just saw with this the thing one. where they did the premiere of Thor the other night, mm-hmm. and he was they introduced a bunch of the cast before the movie, and he was like live streaming on like Instagrams or something like that, and he put his phone in his pocket and forgot to turn it off. <laughs> so like he wound up broadcasting the audio, the of, audio the of the whole movie, movie. to like wow. 2,500 people. Gee whiz. Um, but no, and, and I was talking a little bit about The Last Jedi trailer. There's one shot of Luke looking back over his shoulder when he says – when he, you know, I'm, yeah, the I, I've seen power like this one, right? Before, yeah, scare me, and now it scares me. Right, he, you know, we've got whiny, insecure Luke back, and it's great. Um, no, I can't go yeah, with you, you to Mos Eisley. Stop saying that because that's not true. I can't go with you to Mos Eisley. Um, the but, I, but think about think just in terms of what we see in the trailer. I've seen raw power like this once before, and it didn't scare me. And then you see, like, you know, this flashback, it looks like, to this major destruction scene. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and this time it scares me. That's not him being whiny. That's him, like, learning from lessons past. Eh, always with you. With always with you what cannot be done. Anyhow, in, when he's looking... You. 
when he's looking at that, you know, there's that circle on the floor that people are kind of trying to figure out the design of and everything. Uh-huh. And I was like, maybe that's like one of the circles that they train light, you know, do lightsaber training in. And and I'm like, what was that? Was that in a video game? What was that from? And then as I'm talking, it hit me. That was the Mask of Zorro. Oh. <laughs> when he had the circles drawn that Anthony Banderas had to train in and with his fencing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what, that was that. <laughs> that was a good movie, by the way, The Mask of Zorro. It was. Now, Green Lantern, I can't really speak high, that highly of. Um, I tried. I really tried to. That's one of those movies I really wanted to like so desperately, and that Ryan Reynolds is as charming as anyone has ever been. But man, yes, but just, yeah, there are lots of problems. They should have just done Sinestro as the villain. Agreed, a hundred percent agreed. Um, um, but yeah. But so anyway, so the foreigner, mm-hmm. you know, Jackie Chan doing the old man action flick, and you know, this one's got some pedigree on it. So. I feel like this one could be real fun. I, I think. Yeah. I think this one could be a real fun one and 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 worth our time. Uh, breathe. I don't think I know what breathe is. Okay, so first off, breathe mm-hmm. is directed by Andy Serkis. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. Who Andy had you know with the three Hobbit movies, Andy directed second unit on those. Okay. And um, you know, so he kind of cut. He's been slowly working up to this. This is, uh, and this one also stars uh, Andrew Garfield, so Spider-Man. Um, this is based on a true story of a couple named Robin and Diana Cavendish. Uh, they're a very adventurous couple, and um, he is, he was diagnosed with, I believe it was polio. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, he was diagnosed with polio, and basically... You know, they told him you're you're gonna have to stay in bed the rest of your life. Right. You know, that's the only way we can keep you alive. And he refused to live his life like that. And him and his wife, they basically invented the you know, they invented the wheelchair that had the breathing device on it that mm. allowed him to get out. Oh wow. Um and so it's it's their you know, it's their life story. Cool. So this is kind of Oscar bait. Not, I mean, I hate to use that term, but that's what no, this... Yeah, it, yeah, this is. This is most definitely Oscar bait. Um, and the trailer looks good. It looks really solid. And look, I just... Come on. I love Andy Serkis. I mean, yeah. the guy is amazing. And, you know, we think of him as Gollum and a Caesar and all these geek things. And then to see him do, like, an Oscar bait kind of movie like this... It's like, all right, this is cool. I'm like really digging this. So I'm really curious to to see this movie and to see how this does. Um, not only box office, it's not as important. I, you know, I want to see how it does with reviews mm-hmm. and critics' reaction, and then possible award season. But you know, good for Andy Serkis doing this. Well, and it and it sounds like it's going to be a good inspirational story. You know, you know, not. Uh, feel good is the wrong word, but de- I think inspirational is the right word. You know, it's a, as you said, it's based on the true story of this man and his wife and, and what they do so they can continue, so that he can continue his adventures and they can continue their adventures around the world together. And the um, family, I believe the, I believe that Robin Cavendish, the, the man, I believe mm-hmm. he passed away, but his wife and his children were definitely involved oh, in this. Oh, good, good. Well, Andy Serkis, whenever you hear him talk, and even talk about you know the 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 digital 
capture acting that he's done ever since you know Lord of the Rings. Um, he's very competent. He's very much into the art of filmmaking. Yeah. And I and I, I I I anticipate this being really well done. I really do. Yeah. So do I. And I think that he is somebody that could actually uh, wind up becoming a pretty top-notch director. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this weekend, oh, I can't watch this trailer. Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Getting a little, getting a little emotional there, Steve. Just thinking about it. This is about A.A. A. Milne, or Milne, however you want to say it. And um, it's about him and his son Christopher and I guess him actually maybe writing some of the stories and stuff. Yeah, this is the creation of uh, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And then also Fallout is the wrong word, but because the books became so popular, his son became a huge national celebrity. Oh, wow. Um, And so it deals with the the impact of the popularity of the books mm-hmm. on their personal lives also mm. um so this stars dom hall uh, dom hall gleason mm-hmm. you know Mr. you talking about old general hux yes i'm talking about general hux uh and margot robbie you talking about uh you talking about uh harley, harley quinn? quinn yeah yep wow so there's our key connection to it along with the fact that it's about it's winnie, winnie the, the pooh, pooh. hello disney vault talk Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Teresa so, and, and I've talked a little bit about this. This is another one that's got, uh, you know, aspirations. Sure, it does. Yeah. For seasons. So. I can't imagine this being anything but a tearjerker. I just can't imagine it being anything. But when it's all said and done, you're just feeling warm fuzzies and your heart's broken, but you still. Because let me tell you something. Some of those Winnie the Pooh quotes that are from these books will break your heart in half. And. Um, and if and if they start throwing some of those in between this dad and his son, my lanta, I don't, I can't do it. Can't do this one. Mm-mm. Can't do it. Are you telling me Chadwick Boseman is in another movie coming out here soon? I am. Man, I love Chadwick Boseman. By the way, I've made that this... clear on this show. Oh, Marshall. Yeah. This is about the uh, the first African American Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. All right. Um, but the interesting thing is that this story is not his rise to become the Supreme Court justice. This is about a small, this is about one of his earlier cases that mm. he took on. Um, it's directed by Reginald Hudlin. This has got a fantastic cast. Kate, yeah. Hus- Kate Hudson, Josh Gad, um, Courtney B. Vance, who, uh, you know, just won the Emmy award for this is us and was amazing in the people versus OJ Simpson. Uh, sorry, not Courtney B Vance, Sterling K Brown. Apologies. Um so this looks really good. The trailer for this really impressed me. This is a this is a movie that I'm definitely going to want to see. Chadwick Boseman again, and I've said it a million times. He is an actor that absolutely draws your attention when he's on the screen. Yeah. Um he just has He's one of the the first actors I've ever just kind of watched and said, man, this guy just, he's got it. Whatever it is, you know, he has it. And um, from from his portrayal in 
something as simple as uh, uh, Trading Day. What, what was that? Is that the right? The Kevin Costner football movie? Um, draft like Day. Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. Draft Day. Yeah, Draft Day. His turn is James Brown and Get On Up. You know, the his Black Panther is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, this. He's just got such a great look, and he's such a good actor. I mean, this is, this is a guy that I hope is working for years and years and years to come. I think he will be. Because I will watch him in just about anything he chooses to do. Yep. And, I mean, just jump on YouTube and just search Marshall Trailer 2017. The, it, just watch the trailer. It's really good. Hmm. And there's old uh, What's-His-Face, uh, Gus from Breaking Bad, I see in the trailer there. At least it looked kind of like Gus. Gus from Breaking Bad. Yeah, and that is named the, 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 guy, the Chicken Brothers guy. Polio State Hermanos. Uh, I don't think he's in this. Hmm, maybe I got him confused with someone else. Looks I know like who this. you're talking about. Um, no, uh, James Cromwell's in this. Yeah. For us all. That's him, man. That has to be him. That's my mission. I never touched that woman. I need a partner who the jury can relate to. Sam Friedman. Good to meet you, Sam. Hey, give me a hand with these, would you? What have you got in here, cement? Guns. Books, Mr. Friedman. <laughs> nice. Looks great. Looks great. I'm all about it. Now, this is one of those historical fiction movies. Not fiction, but based on historical events. That I love these kind of movies, man. Mm-hmm. Those are they're great Saturday afternoon. If you got nothing else to do, or Sunday afternoon movies, love them. Yep. When it's raining I agree outside, with you. gosh, love them so much. A uh, lot of historical stuff going on this month with your, uh, I mean, from Breathe to to this one now through Marshall to Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Yep. The biopic of uh, William Moulton Marston, who was the creator of Wonder Woman back in the day, and this guy has a lot of different things that you know. I know have been said about him in the past and everything as far as some of his proclivities. And I think this is going to shed some light on a part of that at least. Oh, no, I think, I think that it goes heavily into it. Um, and when you say his proclivities, I mean, the fact that he was, I believe he was married to one woman and had a, another lover that was living with both of them. Right. Um, and also, uh, you know, some of, and then some of that came across, you know, into the Wonder Woman comic and stuff. You know, I think that this, this isn't necessarily about Wonder Woman. This is about like the life that he was living. Right. It's about the the man who created her. And, um, yep. you know, and, and, and just watch some old, there, there's been a lot in the past, in recent years about the creation of comics and the, the creation of some of these characters. And when people talk about Wonder Woman, just kind of listen to some of the stuff they say about this man who created her and, and the reason for some of the things that she uses, such as the lasso of truth and that sort of thing. And you kind of get where he was coming from with some of his, his proclivities. But this does look like a pretty interesting movie. And, you know, if it begins here, do you think we'll get biopics down the line of, like, Bob Kane, who is also an interesting character, you know, creator of Batman or co-creator now of Batman. Finally, they've um, done that. I'd love to see a, a have they done a Siegel and Schuster? So are you are well, you saying that that's what the 
that this could launch a whole new genre. I think the, if, it, uh, if it doesn't, the, it should. The superhero creators biopic genre. Yeah, if it doesn't, it should. Because a lot of these guys from this era have some really interesting have stories. Some really interesting stories, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, just look, just Siegel and Schuster, you know, yep. with Superman and, and what they went through to get it sold and then what they turned around and, and their estates came back and, and, you know, trying to just get on that train with DC again to just have some type of compensation for, you know, all that Superman did for that company. Um, Bob Kane, and like I say, he's a character, man. He, he reveled in being the creator of Batman. And and then this whole Bill Finger thing has come up in recent years, and um, you know, and that becomes a story in of itself. Stan Lee is an interesting character, uh, and and you know his journey to where he was at. Jack Kirby's an interesting guy that could you know you could do a biopic on. So I'm, yeah, I say I hope this I hope this does well enough to start kind of you know to fire up some people's imagination. Be like, who else has created comics that we can look at? Right. I think it'd be very interesting. So I am interested in this, and it does seem like it's going to, if not, obviously it won't focus on the creation of Wonder Woman, but one of the trailers I saw, you know, there's obviously going to be, that's going to be an underlying situation that's ongoing, or it's going to be at least part of the movie. It does, it does, yeah, I mean, the creation of Wonder Woman is part of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the connection they're going to make is this polyamorous relationship that he was in with mm-hmm. his wife. And how that filtered into him creating the Wonder Woman character. Right. Well, and how they kept all this kind of secret. And this is all taking place in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be scandalous if it happened today. Right. Much less back in the 1940s, or much more, yeah. I should say. Um, so, yeah, so that's who's in this. Is anyone? Luke Evans. Luke Evans is playing Who, uh, uh, Dr. Marston. Yeah, who is he's fantastic in almost everything mm-hmm. that he's in. Yep. And uh, you know, he was most recently he was in the, the Fast and the Furious franchise on uh, TNT in a few months. Uh, he's got a series called The Alienist that's starting up. That's based on a Caleb Carr novel, which is one of my favorite novels. Um, and I've been waiting twenty years for this to be turned into a movie or a TV show. It's kind of a uh, it's kind of Silence of the Lambs-ish in mm. turn of the century, New York City, oh, well. 1900s. Um, and the, an alienist is what they used, was the early term for like the the psychologist that would like, w- would later become like the Clarice Starling like profiler. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, they were, they were known as alienists. Um, so he's in that. He was Dracula in that really bad Dracula movie a few years back. Oh yeah, the one it's that was been supposed in a to a lot of things. The one that was supposed to kick off the yeah the Universal yeah. monsters. Um, he's definitely a guy that like if you look up his IMDb page, like oh he was in that. Okay, mm. I know who that is. So well, challenge accepted, Eric. Yep. IMDb.com. Oh, bringing it up. I am. I, I am. We're going. I'm going to Luke. Evan. I got right here. Evans. Luke Evans. By the way, we kind of got... Oh, he was just in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was Gaston. Oh, okay. Yeah. So far, you're right You're right on in what you said. Oh, yeah, I remember he's in that. Um, oh, he was, he was the bard in Battle of the Five Armies, the Hobbit. And Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Owen Shaw in the Fast and Furious movies. Huh. Well, look at there. Just one of those guys. Just one of those. Just one of those guys that shows up and you know who he is. Uh, before we go any further, Eric, I've got a quick random tops card reading. This comes from the 40th anniversary set of the Star Wars 40th anniversary set from Topps. This is card number 23. It's labeled Moss Eisley Cantina. It says, Star Wars blew the minds of unsuspecting 1977 viewers with one amazing sequence after another. But the scene that really pushed the envelope was an impromptu visit to a certain watering hole in Moss Eisley, that wretched hive of scum and villainy on desert planet Tatooine. The cantina scene featured a plethora, do you know what a plethora is? Of outrageous alien creatures, one more bizarre than the next. That's from the 40th anniversary set uh, released just this past year uh, with, through Tops.com. Just this, I say this past year, just this year, celebrating the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. Uh, Tops is the name in both sports and non-sports card collecting and trading. Visit Tops.com now to check out their available card series, including the Journey to the Last Jedi trading card set featuring scenes from across the entire Star Wars saga including the television series Clone Wars and Rebels, as well as new content from, well, The Last Jedi we were just talking about. it. Look for inserts in all the different lines of cards, including autographs, sketch cards, and more. Tops also changed the way we collect and trade cards with their trading card apps. Of course, you know about the Star Wars Trader. They also feature The Walking Dead, NFL, WWE, MMA, NHL, soccer, and, of course, Major League Baseball. Visit Tops.com to check out their online exclusive merchandise and rediscover Tops. Tops, the story of collecting lasts a lifetime. How was that? Was that a pretty good reading? Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Good to know. Um, how about those Yankees, Eric? They kind of shocked oh, the world. Oh, yeah, baby! They shocked the world, didn't they? Yes, they did. Never say die. Man, Yankees, Yankees never say never die. Yankees never say quit. <laughs> Do you, now, the Cubbies and the Nationals are playing tonight, right? Yes, they are. And this is for all the marbles. Are they this on right now? all the marbles, too. This is to see who goes on to play the Dodgers. Man, who are you rooting for there? Uh, after the way Strasburg pitched yesterday, I'm kind of pulling for the Cubs. Oh, wow. Because I don't want to see him. Well, uh, and the Nationals are actually up 4-3 to three in the uh, bottom, bottom of the of fourth. The fourth inning. Yeah, yep. look, I just pulled it up. Bottom of the fourth. Nationals yeah. over the Cubs right now. We'll keep an eye on that for you as the show goes on. Uh so back to the movies and our uh, our pictures with aspirations for awards season continues with Geo Storm. Oh yeah, you know Geo Storm is looking for that Oscar, man. Best picture, baby. <laughs> Geo Storm. I just want to say I, I saw the trailer for this and I'm like they stole this idea from Sharknado. Because the one Sharknado movie I've seen has satellites that control the weather, and when they go awry, that's when the Sharknados fire back up. Come on. This goes back to, like, Independence Day. You know, it's... uh, How many times is Dean Devlin going to destroy the world? Mm. Um, But, you know, this is one of those... I mean, just... Gerard Butler, Ed Harris, (laughs) Abby Cornish. Ed Harris is in this? Yeah. Oh, Andy I've got to see it then. Richard Schiff, Mayor Winningham. Mm. You know, this is just like one of those all-star casts who like stand around while giant tidal waves like take out city after city. Yeah, but Ed Harris does that so well. Yeah, man, yeah, I want to see. I want Ed Harris to get to find his way into a Marvel movie so bad I can't stand it. Oh yes. 
I mean, he would have been great as the Watcher. Oh, he would have been great as the Watcher. It's still not too late. I guess not. I'd like to see him. I mean, like, but you, you're right. He's one of those guys that stand around and just delivers dialogue so well. And and I would love to see Ed Harris stand in, you know, standing on a helicarrier, directing traffic, or you know, whatever the case may be. I I, I just yeah, I love Ed Harris. I think he's great. When the network of satellites designed to control the global climate start to attack Earth, it's a race against the clock to uncover the real threat before a worldwide geostorm wipes out everything and everyone. Is it aliens? No, I don't think so. I think that we created these satellites to control the weather, and then like, there's the, the trailer that I saw hinted that there was some conspiracy to reprogram these satellites all i know is gerard butler has to save everyone of course he does and now, there's lots of space shuttles and is, stuff like that is he playing his same character from olympus has fallen i think so but i love olympus has fallen right and then london has so, fallen i love london has fallen too they're just so ridiculously over the top i well, love those movies that's why i think he should be they should just go ahead and have this be the same character and just keep getting more and more over the top with stuff they're making another has fallen movie too. really what's gonna fall what else can fall oh uh, was gonna fall let's see here let me bring up <laughs> what's, Gerard gonna fall? what's gonna fall what <laughs> everything's uh, fallen angel has fallen what was that now what is fallen Angel has fallen. Angel has fallen. It's in pre-production. Well, so he's taken out all of heaven. When God is put, (laughs) when God's life is threatened. I'm sorry, the plot is being kept under wraps. For Angel has fallen. Angel has fallen. Man, is Morgan Freeman back for it too? Is it going to be? I'm Morgan Freeman. Is it going to be a remake of The Bodyguard? No, like, no, Angel is like the code name for somebody. Right, the the superstar that he's protecting. He does not go from protecting POTUS to to protecting some pop star. I don't know, you know, maybe it's the mighty have fallen. We need you, Gerard Butler, to protect our greatest superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. You got Geostorm to look forward to. That that'll bring home the bacon. Yeah, I tell you what, that's gonna. Uh, they tucked that one away in October for a reason. I guarantee you. Only the Brave, also debuting on October twentieth, based on the story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of elite firefighters risk everything to protect a town from a historic wildfire. Taylor Kitsch, uh, Taylor Kitsch, uh, you talking about John Carter of Mars? Yes. Jennifer Conley, once known as uh, Betty Ross. And, uh, Josh Brolin. Oh, you're talking about Thanos? Soon to be known as Thanos. Jeff Bridges, Obadiah Stane. Also, Miles Teller. Oh, uh, Mr. Fantastic. Thank Mr. Gum. Fantastic. Wow. James Badgedale, Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell's still around. That's good to know. Um, is this a true story or is this like a sequel to Backdraft? No, I think this is a true story. It says based on based, a true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots. How about if I pay attention to what I read, I'll I won't have, I won't ask stupid questions there. Group of elite <laughs> firefighters who risk everything to protect the town from hey, a historic wildfire. Hey, Betty, pay attention to what you read. Okay. 
the tagline on the poster says, it's not what stands in front of you, it's who stands beside you. Oh, wow. Well, so somebody's going to die. Taylor Kitsch yeah, is going to die in this. Yeah, I think this is going to be like a 17 hanky kind of movie. Yeah, it's going to be like The Guardian or yep. um, yeah, some of those. Yeah, so get ready. Get ready. Don't get attached to anybody in this one. Granite Mountain Hotshots. Are these... Were these the firefighters in Arizona? Well, because remember a couple of years ago there was that group of firefighters that like all of them perished. Oh no! Don't tell me that. Yes, the men yeah, gave their yes, lives to protect. Twenty members of the group perished fighting the Yarnell Hill fire. So I you think this is their be, story. You gotta be kidding me! So the, this is definitely gonna be. There are going to be lots of tears during this one, but I would assume that along with those tears is going to be a lot of pride and honor for these men, too. Sure. Man, you got to. So we got to watch a movie about everybody heroically giving their lives. Well, there's been, you know, lots and lots of movies like that. I would. I, yeah, but I, listen, I don't want to go to a movie and cry. It's like that dog movie someone made me watch that time about the with Richard uh, Greer, where he dies and the dog waits for him every day at the train station. What was the name of that movie? Hachi. I don't remember that Man. one. It's terrible. Don't ever watch it. It'll break your heart. Yeah, it'll well, absolutely this is one break of those your heart. That might break your heart too. Uh. Um. So then, uh, also, uh, we're on Friday, October twentieth. Uh, a picture called The Snowman. Oh, this is that horror movie. I think more thriller, maybe. It looks like people are getting their heads chopped off in a place with snowman heads. Yeah, but I think it's not like. I think it's more like in the sense of like Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is pretty scary at you know, parts. Or like Seven. Yeah. You know, I think that that's more the vibe that they're going for here. Um, Detective Harry Hole investigates the disappearance of a woman whose pink scarf is found wrapped around an ominous-looking snowman. Um, stars Michael Fassbender, Rebecca Ferguson, Chloe Savini, um, and it's directed by Thomas Alfredson, who did the great uh, Let the Right One In. Did you ever see that one? The Let the Right One In? Yeah. That was about a remake the, of... No, that's the original one. Okay. They remade it in English. Right. He directed the original one about the girl who was the vampire. Yeah. And befriends the boy. That mm -hmm. was really good. Ain't no sense in all that. Don't be um, befriended. Don't be befriending no vampire, everybody. I don't know. This trailer, it looked really creepy. looked really good. Definitely gave me, like I said, Seven, Silence of the Lambs kind of vibe mm -hmm. to it. Ain't no sense in all that. I don't. I'm not. I'm not down with it. I gotta say that I tried watching. Uh, speaking of Michael Fassbender, I tried watching Assassin's Creed the oh. other night because it was on HBO. I haven't heard good things about that. I, I I had recorded it, and so I sat down to watch it. I got like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe mm -hmm. into it. I'm just like, why am I watching this? This is horrible. <laughs> How they keep getting him. Because he is a fantastic actor. Yep, yep. How they keep getting him to do these horrible movies, I just can't fathom. 
Yeah. Well, you know, there was no action. It's a movie based on a video game and there's like no action in the first 20 minutes. Have you ever played that video game? There's no action in the video game for like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. There was like no, there was some creeding, but there was no assassinating Mm -hmm. going on. They would have been better off if they had just played a Creed song. Hey, I'm always down for a good Creed song. That's a horror movie to me right Can there. Can you take me home? No, 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 we're going on to the next one. <laughs> <here. laughs> to a place where we love her. We're all right over. I don't like all that right. song. <laughs> this last one here for October. I, I have to admit that this is a movie that I, I, I'm a little puzzled by. Is this a Transformers movie? Suburbicon. The Transformer that turns into a suburb. Suburbicon. I am Suburbicon. I mean, you have Metroplex. Why not Suburbicon? All right, so this is Suburbicon. Mm-hmm. This is a picture starring Matt Damon, Julianne Matt Damon. Moore, Oscar Isaac. Oh, Oscar. <laughs> I love that you just went to. <laughs> I'm Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> um, it's directed by George Clooney. Oh, okay. Written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Wow. Along with Mr. Clooney and with uh, Grant Heslov. I don't know who Grant so, Heslov is. You do know who Grant Heslov is. Don't tell me I, I know someone. I don't know them. You'll know. IMDb him. You'll All right. Know. I'll I'll recognize his face. Okay, you continue to talk, and I will, I will he's, IMDb he's, Grant. He's an actor who's also, uh, he was in uh, he was in True Lies. He was the guy at the end who had the gun inside the video camera. When you are with me, I'm uh, free. He's been in a bunch of movies, and he's also George Clooney's uh, producing partner. Okay. Um, so anyway, Burbicon, like this, a home invasion rattles a quiet family town. That's the description on IMDb. And then here's the one from Fandango. Suburbicon is a peaceful, idyllic suburban community with affordable homes and manicured lawns. The perfect place to raise a family, and in the summer of 1959, the Lodge family is doing just that. But the tranquil surface masks a disturbing reality, as husband and father, Gardner Lodge, must navigate the town's dark underbelly of betrayal, deceit, and violence. Sounds like the town I used to live in. This definitely looks like the kind of movie that like, you're going to want to bury yourself in a bottle of vodka after you watch it. You think so? Uh, just, like, make the badness go away. Either that or you're going to need to take a shower. Hmm. I don't know. It just it looks very disturbing. It looks a little more stylized than I expected it to, just looking at this trailer. Like, everyone seems... Like, it, it seems a little bit overplaying the whole 50s thing. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Then it gets really doing? weird. Yeah. What's happening here? Matt Damon. It's like the talented <laughs> it's like the talented Mr. Ripley origin story. Uh so did you look up Grant Heslov? I did, and he was in um uh License to Drive back in nineteen eighty eight. He played Carl. All right. See I told you you would know I who he was. I don't know who he is from that. Um 
Yeah, he wasn't. You mentioned True Lies. It's been so long since I've seen True Lies. Um, and uh, and let's see. Enemy of the State, Lenny. Is that that's not the guy that lived? No. He's he's been in a lot of stuff. He has so. been. He's got a huge IMDb page. Uh, does he's even done some voiceover work and stuff? Uh, some voice actor work and stuff. Um, just nothing that I really recognize him from. But he was in Good Night and Good Luck as Don Hewitt. Well, that's because that was directed by George Clooney. Okay, that was an interesting movie. I like that. Yeah. So Suburbicon. Yeah. I'm very confused. So Suburbicon transform. So what? I wonder what's happening with there. Like he, they get home invaded and harmed, and or the community they moved into isn't as idyllic as he thought it was. Well, he's walking around like he's beat up the whole time. Maybe they're all Trump supporters. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> good lord. What a what a leap. Good night. Holy I don't look, we don't go in for political humor on Geek Out Loud. I just I mean, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> well look, the rate we're going, we've only got a couple more months of Geek Out Loud before our president ha- destroys the world anyway. So Well, yeah. Okay. All right. We, good lord. <laughs> don't do that to this show. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, that's part of the thing that kind of troubles me about this trailer is like, where is all of this coming from? Right, right. Well, and and, and it kind of just seems to be like the trailer just sorts sort of like is it seems like it's just throwing out this gratuitous violence to throw gratuitous violence at us Mm -hmm. to kind of shock us. Yeah. Without any rhyme or reason behind it. And it's like, oh, gee, here's Matt Damon, and all of a sudden he's like all covered in blood, and like, you know, it, I don't know. This isn't this isn't what I want to go see. Well, I'm telling you, these small towns, these small little suburbs, you don't have to have much wrong with you outside just being an outsider. I want my cartoon violence. Well, I. <laughs> and with that, let's get into our anniversary movies. Okay, before we do that, let's do this. Here we go. Get it in we are, uh, <laughs> we have just let, grind it till you find it, as they say. How are you? There. Right? Yeah, Team Steve. Team um, Steve. <laughs> grind it till you find it. On a, in an automatic, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they had jumbo wings and tenders. I was hoping there would be a gate guard to sweet talk up mm-hmm. there, but it was not. We, we saw a lot of long ponytails today. Okay, we'll edit this part out. No, we won't. I know you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit it. If I am looking in the sun too long, everything gets fuzzy after that. I mean, that's everybody. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood. 
to terrorize your neighborhood. Whosoever shall be found. Go send yourselves. Must stand and face the hounds of hell. Oh, she's a scary child. Rot inside a corpse's shell. Shaz is convinced they were stacking bodies in this cemetery. I mean, that's premium plot right there. I would have been like, hey, you, tell me about these jumbo wings and tenders. The announcer looks at me and uh, he says, you want to eat? I was like, what? We, we should probably go back for some jumbo wings um, and tenders. something I was not expecting. And on October 19th, we begin our Stranger Things watch through. Each night, we'll be watching a different episode of Stranger Things leading up to the October 27th release of Stranger Things 2 on Netflix. Now, on October 18th, check your podcast feeds because we will be releasing that audio from our Stranger Things expedition with myself and Steve Bennett and honorary team Steve member Shaz Bazaar and... Um, uh, uh, over at Geek Out Loud, starting tomorrow at time at this time recording, uh, you can check out geekoutonlinerather.com every day at the blog, and you can see pictures from our Stranger Things expedition as we gear up towards celebrating Stranger Things 2 hitting Netflix on October 27th. So, and Eris, you have a standing invitation to come on and talk over an episode of Stranger Things any night that you want to, buddy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So nice. It's gonna be fun. I was so confused what was going on there with chicken wings and chicken tenders. Hey, jumbo wings and tenders, man. Jumbo wings and tenders. There's a whole story I'm behind it. Scared. I'm gonna have nightmares about jumbo wings and tenders. Well, now. what you should have nightmares about is being kept from said jumbo wings and tenders because okay. that's what happened to me. But that's a whole story to hear on the uh, on the expedition episode coming out on October 18th. Check your Geek Out Loud podcast feeds. For that, so Eris, these um, uh, anniversary movies. There, some of these I just feel like we should be spending a million years talking about. One. Yeah, good night. Um, I, I gotta say, and I kind of figured that this was coming. You know, there's going to be a few months during the year where you know the pickings are slim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then there's going to be months like May and July where we could go for hours and hours and hours with all of them Mm -hmm. so this was a slimmer month yep um and a couple of these might be reaches um there's one on here that i'm pretty sure i may be the one who appreciates it more than you um actually there's a few on here that that might be the case but anywho uh let's dive into these so 35 years ago can't believe it's been 35 years october 1982 I mean, come on. Yes, sir. Man, what a movie. 
First Blood. Uh, again. I, and this is a picture that, you know, because, what, I was 12? when the, Like, this isn't something I saw in the theater. This is something I discovered, like, a couple years later when it was on, like, the Sunday night movie of the mm -hmm. week or something right. like that. Right, right. Um, and my dad would let me stay, especially during the summer, I would get to stay up to watch these things. I'm just like, what is this movie? This is awesome! You know, I forget when I saw the first... Um, the first Rambo. I forget when I saw First Blood for the first time. It must have been the same scenario. But by the mid-80s, Rambo had become this 80s action hero and had a cartoon in everything. Yep. Rambo and the Force of Freedom. And um, and and it, I don't want to say it kind of took away from the character, but when you watch First Blood, I mean, it's a movie that really explores some, or a, one particular deep theme, and that is... Uh, these Vietnam vets who were around during this time with PTSD, not trying, not didn't know their place in the world, trying to figure out where they go from here, and that's what John. That's the story of John Rambo, really. And this is before Platoon, and uh, and Full Metal Jacket, mm -hmm. and some of the other pictures that came out later in the '80s and the early '90s, where as a country we started to get a better handle on Vietnam mm -hmm. and. The, and it started to show a little bit more love and respect to the guys who fought over there and came back home. Yep. Um, so that's really this is one of the one one of the few first movies that kind of dealt with that. Well, and a lot of people, I don't think they realize <clears throat> just how um, what Stallone ended up using all of these Rambo movies for because they did become. You know your your typical in on on the surface typical action fair. Not so much this movie. This movie was very much uh, a chase suspense movie, and it had a lot of explosions and a lot of gunfire and some major stunts. But it was it was gritty, it was dirty, and it was very raw. And in fact, in the first cut of this movie that that was initially shown to test audiences, John Rambo kills himself in the end. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and and audiences were rooting for him so hard to 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 win the day and you know survive that they actually went back and changed the ending that was that ended up being released to wide audiences. Um, oh, and how glad that they were because oh man. otherwise they wouldn't have been able to milk that franchise. Right, but and see, and that's the thing you talk about milking the franchise. Rambo two, first blood or Rambo first blood part two was. And, and in some ways doesn't really hold up as good as even Rambo 3, which is the one that's the most panned. It was all about the plight of the POWs from Vietnam. Yeah. Because into the 80s, there were people who still believed there were POWs in Vietnam, and, and many of them may have still even been alive. And and why aren't we doing anything about it? And um, And so, and that was just kind of, you know, this was Stallone's way of trying to shed some light on these issues. With Rambo 3, it was meant to shed light on the Soviet oppression of Afghanistan and what was going on there as they were trying to fight against, you know, the communist Soviets there in Afghanistan. And and um, unfortunately, six months, not unfortunately, but for the movie, unfortunately, but fortunately for the world, six months before that movie was released, the Iron Curtain falls and communism is just that quick a thing of the past. and um, And so the movie didn't, resonate politically with anybody but if you go and watch it now it really kind of does in, in a lot of ways it's interesting um just you know the, what what's captured in that film and it's also over the top action 
But man, Rambo, the fourth one, gee whiz. It That's is, the one in Burma, right? Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal yeah. from start to finish. And I don't mean brutal like it's in a bad movie. No, it's I brutal mean, and just blood and gore everywhere. And I've never wanted to see a villain be killed so badly in my life as that general that they end that, up taking that's out. That's a rough movie to watch. It is. It really is. Um, but the first blood is, I, Eric, I, for the type of movie that it is, I feel like it's pitch perfect. I mean, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that movie at all. No, no, I agree with you. It it's is. just, it's a, it's a great little, mm-hmm. you know, drama adventure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, and as a teenager watching this thing, I loved like all of his stuff that he was doing in the woods, mm-hmm. the traps that he was laying and everything. And, you know, the way that he was kind of hunting the, the guys who were after him. Um, th- there was just a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, you know, it's got a good cast. Brian Dennehy, David Caruso. Um, oh, why am I? slipping on the colonel's name colonel troutman come on steve help me out um oh richard I um i can remember the character's name but i can't remember the actor is, is it richard senna is that right is that it it seems like it. he's crenna crenna yes richard yes. crenna he's he's passed on um yeah. and i on it last you know what? Funny enough, I was just talking to someone last night about Rambo, and I mentioned, and they mentioned, um, you know, we were talking about that at one point they were going to do Rambo Five. That Stallone was wanting to do Rambo Five and actually go down into and do you know Rambo versus the Mexican drug cartels. <clears throat> and this guy told me he's like, yeah, and I think uh, Brian Dennehy was supposed to be in that. I'm like, isn't he dead? Yeah, and and he's not. No, he's not. He didn't kill him. And no, I'm talking about the actor, Brian Dennehy. Oh, the actor. Yeah, and he's like, no, he's not. I'm like, are you sure? I thought I remember you. And then I realized that I was getting him confused with his the character he played in Tommy Boy. <laughs> Big Tom Callahan. Yeah, Big Tom Callahan. <laughs> I was I was mingling real life and <laughs> in the arts. Bees. <laughs> Bees. But I think he's retired. I think that's the thing. Well, because I think he's probably like 90 years old at this point. Born in 1938, so yeah. Pushing 80. Yeah, he would not be going down to fight the Mexican drug cartel. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, uh, man, first blood. And, you know, just talking about it last night and then here on the show, I want to pop it in and watch it so bad now. It's a good movie. It a that's good movie. definitely one that's got a, a high rewatchability yeah. factor to it. Yeah. Uh, tw- right. Twenty five so, years uh, ago in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, this first one I put on here for you. Oh, really? Yeah, because I don't think I've ever even seen this. I watched it, uh, man, sometime back in the nineties. Uh, it's, I mean, it's your, it's the Mighty Ducks, ladies and gentlemen, and I know a lot of people love the Mighty Ducks. Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Ducks guy. I swear to God, I was like Emilio. Um, that's a night at the Roxbury reference. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 you know, it's a fun little sports movie. It's not it's not one of those. For some people, I know that this is a definitive movie of their childhood. This is one of those movies that just kind of you know, they love and um, and 
and it's just not. I mean, you know, it's not really. My, I was 15 when this movie came out. I was 22. So yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really down for um, the Mighty Ducks necessarily. Uh, Under Siege is a movie I've never seen, though. By the way, oh, this is my. Uh, it's easily probably like 40 50 times that i've seen this really this is my favorite uh steven seagal movie by far um it, it, i love this movie tommy lee jones gary Busey. It, it's just it's so the the basic plot of the movie is that um they're on a uh they're on a u.s navy battleship out at sea and uh it's the captain's birthday, and they plan this big surprise party for him. Um, but, like, the whole catering crew and everybody that shows up for the surprise party that's flown in, mm -hmm. they're all uh, a group of mercenaries. Mm -hmm. And they're working with Gary Busey, who is the XO on the ship. And they basically take over the ship. And um, it's the movie is Die Hard on a Boat. Right. Uh, you know, Steven Seagal is the Bruce Willis character. He is he is an ex-Navy SEAL who he I think he punched like his CO or something like that. So he was demoted <laughs> and he took the position of cook. So he is the cook on the ship. Wow. And, wow. And he, and he did this because the, he has a close connection to the captain. So the captain kind of did this as a favor. So the guys who took over the ship, they reviewed everybody's service files on the ship except the cook because they didn't know – the captain had kept his file locked away in his office separate from everybody else. So they don't know that there's this Navy SEAL on board who becomes the monkey wrench in their plans. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just – it's you know Steven Seagal doing what Steven Seagal does. Right. In the confined in the confined quarters of a U.S. Navy battleship, and Tommy Lee Jones is the head bad guy who is this CIA programmed guy who goes wild, and he's just freaking awesome in this. And Gary Busey is the C the XO of the ship, who is equally crazy. It's just it's a ton of fun. They made they made a sequel to it. Uh, called yep. Dark Territory that had Eric Bogosian as the bad guy, and that was on a train. So they did Die Hard on a boat and Die Hard on a train. Yeah, Under Siege 2, right? Dark Territory, yeah. 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 So Die Hard on a boat, Die Hard on a train. Um, never never saw Under Siege. Never got into those. But I do know, I hear George Foreman has challenged Steven Seagal to a fight. Really? Yeah. Why would anybody want to see that? I don't know. Uh, Steven Seagal is apparently talking smack, you know, every day of his life, and that's what he does. George, nobody remembers him anymore. George Foreman finally came out and said, "I'll fight you." Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, oh, Irish, Reservoir Dogs. Well, I don't know. I'd start quoting lines from this movie, but I can't do that on this show. That's right. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino this is this wasn't. This wasn't his first. I believe that this was the first one that he, he directed. directed. Yes. He wrote True Crime or True... or He wrote it? True Romance. True Romance. And he yeah. directed, and this was his directorial debut of Reservoir Dogs. Yes, um, I believe so. Let me it, bring him up here. A movie that takes place primarily in a warehouse. 
I yep. mean, it's it's really incredible um, just how much story they tell um, in this one space and and the way things pan out. It, it's it's classic Tarantino. I mean, it's it's everything you're going to see in a, you know down the line if you watch you know other Tarantino movies. You you kind of get a flavor of exactly what he likes to do. Over a lot the of the top. same actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he worked with a lot of these actors continuously also. One of the creepiest scenes ever as far as, you know, a guy who's going to torture another man and enjoy it. It's, um... It's, I'm effing deformed! Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's a... But it, it's one of those movies that is just... The, it, the dialogue is so good. And that's where... Yes. And so many of his films, you know, especially his earlier ones, he Tarantino really excelled in the dialogue that was delivered. You know, in his later films, it, it really became a lot about visuals and the and just kind of him letting his mind go. But you can you can even see in something like Inglorious Bastards, you can see that dialogue still there. You know that 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 just stuff that you want to say but you never say and i don't mean like bad words and stuff but i mean just the way conversations are had he has a witty banter yes yes kind of thing to him he was brought into uh he would be brought into like script doctor movies also mm-hmm. um crimson tide is a perfect example okay i didn't know that i didn't um, know he doctor like all the tide. all the mobius discussion and crimson tide that was yeah. him um, I, um, you know, there's been some other pictures too, where he was brought in just to punch up a section here, or a section there. Um, cause that's really kind of where he got started was early in his career. Like you mentioned, he wrote true romance, which is all about the dialogue in that movie. Um, and, uh, a couple other pictures early on. Why am I not seeing any? writing credits for him here because you gotta look you gotta click on writer i don't see writer though oh well maybe actor producer director miscellaneous crew maybe they don't want to give him oh there it is writer is the one that's open duh (laughs) um yeah natural born killers um from dusk till dawn which was the one that uh Robert Rodriguez directed, but uh, Quentin wrote that. Okay. You know, so, it, you know, the the writing is really his strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love this movie. I mean, I was, I was hardcore on the Quentin Tarantino bandwagon really early. Oh, wow. Me, me and my friends. Like, you know, we – I had a friend who used to work for uh, – a movie studio and so he would get the screeners on mm-hmm. video mm-hmm. um and so we would have we would just watch movies like this over and over and over and over again you know we'd go out to the bars all night in new york and back to his apartment and just like throw reservoir dogs on and like just like watch it until like the the sun came up mm-hmm. kind of thing now have you so. have you since cooled on tarantino or do you still do you still uh, um it? I still will see his pictures, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like he needs he needs somebody to say no to him. Okay. You know, it, I see. It, yeah, it, I see what you're it, saying. It's kind of like with George with the prequels. Mm-hmm. He didn't have somebody around to say no. Right. Oh, George, you shouldn't put Jar Jar in this. 
Or let's uh, tweak Jar Jar so a little like, bit. So yeah. like the Hateful Eight was was a movie that you know there were some great scenes in it, but just you know it was him overindulging himself. Hasn't but hasn't that and 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 I and I like Kill Bill and Kill Bill Two. I love the two. Kill I, Bill I like them, but I feel like that's kind of the start of that overindulgence. Yes, yeah, you because know? he turned it into two like two and a half hour movies. Yeah. And then, and then the next thing that he really did on the big screen is Death Proof, with the Grindhouse movie, which is it was a fun concept and a fun idea. Grindhouse was, but you know, but Death Proof is definitely Tarantino on steroids and that you know yeah. that one hour long thing. And it's um, and and from there, you know, with Django Unchained. You know that Joe's not crazy about. I wasn't either, and and I think that's kind of the. I think I really do. I think that with Kill Bill, with the Kill Bill movies, that's when he really started to indulge himself. Yeah. Because he's Quentin um, Tarantino, and again, I like Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, I I can definitely watch either of those movies over and over again. Um, but like in Glorious Bastards has some great scenes in it but yeah. as a, a a complete movie i'm not crazy about it. right well i mean you think about the the moments that stand out in that movie are christoph waltz at the table yeah you know early on and then there's the one um where and they then brad pitt and uh and um oh the horror film director uh eli roth mm-hmm. like the two of them stealing the scenes together right but as a uh, but as a whole movie, as a whole piece, you know, it's just not. Yeah, there's parts of it that just really drag. And Django Unchained to me was just kind of like, it, to me, he couldn't figure out what he wanted it to be. Like, was he trying to do a Blazing Saddles homage at one point? You know, with the whole, um, who cut the eye holes in these kind of stuff? You know, with yeah, the, which was a funny scene and made fun of these doofuses. You know, but. But then it gets intense on the other hand, and it's like, what is this supposed to be? And and I haven't seen The Hateful Eight, but I wanted to. I, heard- I, got, I got to say that he made a, a, a fatal flaw in The Hateful Eight from the very beginning in the opening credits. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, because he put opening credits on the movie. Um, and so a member of the cast is in the opening credits that was not in any of the trailers. Oh, okay. Was not in any of the promotion wasn't in anything but it's a really big name Hmm. and it's a name that you see it and you're like wait a minute okay and so then the entire movie you're waiting for that person to show up and and at one point you realize who that person is going to be and it just ruins everything oh that's a bit disappointing you know whereas if if he had not done the opening credits Mm -hmm. it would have been like this amazing little twist and reveal and you, Oh, mm-hmm. but instead it's like you're two hours in and you still haven't seen this, this actor and you put all the pieces together. Yeah. And again, it's crazy long. It's two and a half, three hours long. Right. You know, because he write he writes these brilliant little pieces and they work fantastic as these brilliant little pieces, but in the terms of telling a bigger story, like he needs somebody to come in and say, no, you mm-hmm. need to trim this down. Hmm. So well, the one thing I do love that he does is that he numbers his movies. So 
it, in the credits, it'll be the ninth picture by Quentin Tarantino. And I just think that there's oh, something really cool. novel yeah. and cool about that. Well, it feels old school. Like, he yeah. does a lot of things that feel old school, and not just the old school, like, exploitation era of films, old school, but just kind of like classic film, old well, school. Well, to me, it's like, if you listen to Marty Scorsese talk about a movie, he doesn't call it a movie, he calls it a picture. Mm. And I just love that, that he refers to movies as pictures. Should we, we should try to work that into our vocabulary from here on. I do try and work it into my so. vocabulary. <laughs> Uh, well, that's Reservoir right. Dogs in 1992, yep. 1997, 20 years ago. This is one of my favorite movies. Of I all know, time. and I just don't care for it. <laughs> Are you kidding? Okay, we're talking about Boogie Nights. Boogie here. Nights, yeah. All right. First off, I love pretty much anything Paul Thomas Anderson does, and mm -hmm. this is not to confuse him with uh, uh, with Paul W. S. Anderson. Uh, who's done all the Resident Evil movies, mm -hmm. although I will say I equally appreciate Paul W.S. Anderson. I think he's a very underrated director. A lot of people like to dump on him, and I love his movies, but they're two completely different guys. So anyway, Paul Thomas Anderson's another guy that I've been on his bandwagon since the very get-go. Um, Boogie Nights... There is so much brilliance in this movie, and and it's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that the movie's about the porn, the porn industry, right? And porn stars. I mean, take all of that out. There is, I mean, there's just Don Cheadle in the beginning of the movie is trying to sell this guy a stereo system called the TK four two one. You know, uh, uh. Marky Mark and um, and oh, sorry, who's our boy from uh, from Talladega Nights? Uh, you talking about uh, Philip Seymour? John Hoffman? C. Riley. Oh, John C. Riley, Philip Seymour. When Hoffman. they first meet, their whole conversation is about Star Wars and Han Solo. You know, then Marky Mark sings You Got the Touch in a recording studio later in the movie. I mean, this thing is loaded with, like, all these, like, geek crazy geek yeah. references and stuff. Um, the soundtrack on this is brilliant. Hmm. Um, then, like, halfway through the movie, it's like, all of a sudden, here's one of my favorite actors of all time. Um whose name I can't remember right now, even though he's one of my favorite actors. I was going to say, sounds time. like, sounds like he's a real favorite of yours. <laughs> oh, he is. He was, the, he was the Punisher. Oh, um, uh, Thomas Jane. Yes. Thomas Jane. Um, all of a sudden he shows up as Todd and the movie like just takes another turn. It, oh, it gave us back Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds was nominated for an Oscar for this picture. Hmm. I just I absolutely love this movie. I've seen this movie a gajillion times too. Well, I I can't say that I've seen it in a long, long time. But I tell you <laughs> what, you did miss one here uh, in the in, yes. in 1997, Irish. Um, you missed Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. No, I didn't. No, yeah, you did. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, it's glorious. No, I, I've seen it. It's that's, glorious. That's why I didn't put it down. Oh, it's so good. Julie did it. <laughs> It is the it is just so stupid. But it's one of those that I can't not I can't help but just love because as dumb as it is, it's also hilarious. When he goes crazy when he comes out of his suspended animation 
and he uses all the food paste to like paint stuff over the walls and he's like the Wachati tribe has rebelled against the Hutus and he's doing <laughs> good stuff anyhow I just I knew that you would he, I saw this is you... why I, I hope that you look you know over the, the years too because yeah. you know there's going to be ones on here that I'm going to miss and you're going to catch so. Yeah. so I would just would encourage everyone to check out Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. <laughs> his best, one of his best performances is as a police officer in Dumb and Dumber. You been sitting back on some of Grandpa's cough syrup there, have you? Doing a bit of boozing. All right, uh, 2002. This is 15 years ago. Wow. I just, I put this first one on here mm-hmm. because it was a big event. I've never seen this. I won't watch trailers for it. I don't uh, want to know anything about it. But... I I saw it in the theater. With, with some friends and myself and my friend Buck decided that night what we should have done is gone back and watched it again knowing what happens and knowing when things get really crazy and just getting up and you know sitting down toward the front and just getting up out of our seats and run screaming out of the theater <laughs> that's what like, why'd you tell folks what movie we're talking about I'm so, oh yeah we're talking about The Ring in 2002 <laughs> creepy girl Creepy story. It's you. You watch a videotape, and seven days later, you're dead. Um, it is. It, it is as creepy as advertised, in my opinion. Uh, it's one of the things that put me off of modern horror films because they just. I, I can watch the stuff from the '80s. I can watch your Halloween, your Jasons, your Freddy, uh, but this stuff is this is when it got really creepy. And you know, now we've gone a lot more to the demonic, and the and I'm just like, I don't want to mess with any of that. Um, and and this was this was kind of feels like some of, some of the start of that, and this was also an adaptation from a Japanese film, I think, Irish. Yes, as, called Ringu. Ringu, as well as uh, there was another one around the same time with um, Mich- Sarah Michelle Gellar called The Grudge, and and this was that was kind of the trend. Yeah. Around this time was to try to take some of these Japanese properties and adapt them for American audiences. And well, this and one, I think the grudge came on the heels of the ring because right. the ring made like a gajillion dollars. The ring hit big. Like it really was a phenomenon that, that year and, uh, and a big deal. But uh, yeah, it's not something I ever want to revisit. Not at all. Well, at all. and the guy who directed the ring was Gore Verbinski, hmm. who went on to give us uh, the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies the uh, Johnny Depp Lone Ranger movie, um, that animated movie Rango. So the the that the ring really propelled him into the the next level, you know, into the the big budget kind of Michael Bay sort of pictures. Did you ever see that Johnny Depp uh, uh, Lone, Lone Ranger? Ranger movie? Yeah, of course I did. I actually liked I it pretty good. There was some good stuff in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that where I think that what hurt it was the I want to say modern day, but I'm not even sure that it was really modern day. But like the him in the museum, right? Fair, right? I think that that kind of threw things off. Yeah, yeah. You know that that kind of. Sp- spiritualism that they tried to add to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know if they just made it a straight up adventure western picture 
I think that it might have played a little bit better. Well, and I mean, because there was some great action set oh, pieces. Oh, that in whole it. that whole endings. The minute at, toward the end when they go into the well, William when Tell, they go into the fanfare. Yeah, when they go into the William Tell Overture, that old yep. Lone Ranger theme from back in the day, and that is the underlying score for this whole big sequence with the train and everything. Yeah, oh, it's like a 15, 20 minute train. It was fight. great. It was really yep. good. Yeah, so anyhow. But Army Hammer was good as the Lone Ranger. I, I thought mean, so. I thought it, so. And Johnny Tepp worked as Tonto for me. Like, I didn't have an issue with that. It was just, you know, there was, and weird might be unfair to call it that, but it just, yeah, like I said, if they just more streamlined it, I think the picture would have worked better. I agree. I agree. Also, 15 years ago. This one was for me. <sighs> Jackass the movie. Oh yes, Irish. No. Oh yes. You're gonna you're gonna get onto me about Rocket Man. You're gonna roll your eyes at Rocket Man. I have Man. seen all the Jackass movies. Are absolute brilliance. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, they are brilliant. <laughs> I I don't think there is a movie that I have laughed at more than the Jack. And I've seen all the Jackass movies in the theater. Wow. Absolutely hysterical. Wow. Just comedy gold. Really? Comedy gold, yes. And it's and it's not necessarily like the over-the-top big production things that they do. Sometimes it's just the little simple things. Like when they're at the bowling alley and, you know, they roll down the lane on their skateboard, like their belly on their skateboard, and then the guy comes up behind them and r- bowls a ball into their crotch. Mm. You know, or the guy they set up a mini trampoline that goes up into a ceiling fan, and so the guy runs in and jumps on it and crashes into the ceiling fan and wrecks it. It's just little things like that that crack me up. Um, but ne- then there's some big productions that really crack me up too. Never did it for me. So never did. I it just I love these movies. Yeah, they're just so stupid. Mm. Well. That's that. And then uh, five years ago this month was Argo, which is a great film. Argo after yourself. Based, based on a true story, of course, of the uh, extracting uh, the hostages um, from the Middle East during the 70s and, and using the cover of a film crew uh, to do so. And um, it's a little bit, uh, from what I understand, it, it, there's, a lot of, there's a little bit of creative license taken with some things. In this film, but by and large, it is a true Look, story. There's creative license taken with all of these based on a true story. Sure. So that's why they say based on a true story, yeah. not this is the actual true story. Um, but it was it was good picture. Yeah. Um, I'd it's actually the best picture. I'd like to see. Um, I'd I'd like to see someone actually be able to come along and and make the actual movie Argo. If they had a script and everything, I think that'd be a neat project for uh, someone to undertake. You know, if they, if there was actually yeah, a, a script like in the existence. actual science fiction movie that they were mm-hmm. supposed to be making. Right. Right. Um, of course, I don't know if there, if, if that, if, if such a script still exists or if, you know, or if they just did enough to kind of give it a little bit of a, you know, a little bit. You of... you just want to see the purple Wookie? Yes, yes, I think that'd be great. That's where I'm at. I want to see the purple Wookie. Um. 
So yeah, that was a good movie though. I liked it a lot. I yeah, thought it was really it was. well done. Um, Eric, I'm seeing here that, and I'm trying to double check my, I'm trying to double check my information. Um, when when was Argo released? Two, October 2012 on October 11, 2012. I'm so in here that on October 26th of 2012 and i don't i feel like this is wrong by by this website's count um because i feel like this something would be a november movie is skyfall released in october of 2012 i'm imd it um it's that, possible that may have been when the world premiere was i don't know um but that's a that's a big one now IMDb says November 9th. That makes more sense. I wonder why it's maybe this was the maybe it was released in London. I don't know. Possibly. Um so okay, we'll definitely talk about that next month. All right. Um so yeah, so that's that's your anniversary movies. Argo was 5 years ago. Doesn't seem that long ago, does it? No. Wow. It's crazy. Um that's that's the anniversary movies. That's passing the corn, Eric. We've done that's, it. That's that's passing the corn, we're, my friend. We're all out. We're all out of popcorn. Yep. Right. Next month we got we got Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Justice League, and um, looking forward, of course, to December to the Last Jedi. So, um, What's the big, oh, is Justice League the big Thanksgiving movie? I think so. There's always that movie that opens for thanks the long Thanksgiving weekend. Well, let me find out. You know, in the past, it's been like a Disney movie. Justice League is November seventeenth, so kind of the week before. Thanksgiving, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Interesting. Um, and Thor is early in November, right? Thor is November 3rd, I think. Okay. First weekend in November. Oh, so we're getting close. Oh, man. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, November 3rd is Thor. November 17th will be Justice League. So, good times. Good times. Well, uh, Erish, it's been fun, man. I've enjoyed it. It has been I always enjoy it. We always go along with these things, but we always have a lot to say and a lot to talk about. Um, if you want to talk to us about this stuff, you can email us, geekoutonline at gmail.com. We had someone email in, I read on the last episode, Erish, uh, defending Ethan's take on it as a coming-of-age story. And they really went to bat for him. I think I might have for- I don't know if I forwarded you that email or not. No, I don't think you um, did. But he was like, he was, he was taking us to task for... For um for getting on to Ethan about calling it a coming of age story because he he completely agreed a hundred percent with him. So did we get on him about that? Well, well, I kind of was like, hold on, hold you, on. All right. And you piled on a little bit. They said okay. So, I you know I don't uh, I well, don't good. disagree with. Word that to me. I'd like to share that with him. Yeah, I will. I'll I'll, I'll find it and and send it to you. Mike Downs had sent this to us, and um he says uh he said um. You chastised poor Ethan, going so far as to ask if he even knew what a coming-of-age story was. That was you. Yeah, Erish dogpiled on at that moment, by the way. <laughs> All right. So, so, yeah, so I'll forward that to you so Ethan can get some love uh, from Mike Downs. But um, cool. for, for sure. Coco, is, Coco, the Pixar movie, is the Thanksgiving picture. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't want to fight. You don't want to go up against Pixar at Thanksgiving. Um. So email us geekoutonline at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. I am uh we're at Geek Out Loud on Twitter. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. Uh but the place we actually kind of check out the most is our um 
Facebook group over on uh, Facebook.com. The easiest way to get there is by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And there's a lot of cool discussion. I just posted a video tonight before we went live uh, that someone posted of some evidence of the old skunk ape. That's a Florida Sasquatch, everybody. That's a that's a swamp ape down there in the in the south and in, in, in all the marshes and everything. So check that out and offer your thoughts there because it's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, if you want to support the shows, we invite you to use the links to Amazon.com that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. You'll also find links to Entertainment Earth and Think Geek there as well. And those Fandango links to buy your tickets to see The Last Jedi and receive a free poster while supplies last. They're available there as well. And uh, don't forget Tops, Tops.com. Check them out and all the merchandise. They have more than cards. They've got some great merchandise. They've got some great online exclusives at Tops.com. We're proud to be sponsored by Tops uh, this month, and we appreciate their sponsorship of Geek Out Loud and the entire Goliverse. We appreciate them taking part and in, in jumping on board with what we're doing around here. If you want to buy a t-shirt, we encourage you to do so. We've got several designs of Geek Out Loud shirt. There's the Rock Out Loud Tour shirt available. The Mark Out Loud logo shirt is available all at geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Is there a Pass the Corn shirt? Not yet, but it is, it is officially more than ever being worked on. So we're getting there, and it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. I'm excited about it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, a lot coming down the pipe. Uh, ways you can support the Goldverse. If you want to support us directly, we invite you to do so at Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, that is it. That wraps us up. And uh, Erish, again, thank you, my brother, for being a part of this. I always enjoy thank it. Thank you, my brother. And uh, we'll pass the corn again in November. And uh, Erish, I hope you'll be able to sit in on some Stranger Things with us at least once. Yes, definitely. Next week as we begin definitely. that. Really looking forward to that. Rock Out Loud coming up next week. We've got Mark Out Loud coming before we hit our Stranger Things. The return of Rebel Yell is happening With soon. The Rebel Yell! So get ready for that. And Eric Chernovitz. Um <laughs> So get ready. Get ready for Rebel Yell coming back as uh, Star Wars Rebels last season, final season, begins next week at the time of this recording. So excited. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you all for Eric Chernovitz. I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud. Geek Out Loud.